As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hello, I'm Melissa Locker. And I'm Courtney E. Smith. And you are listening to Songs My Ex Ruined, the show where we talk about songs that have been ruined by our exes. So today we're talking to Robin Hopkins, and she is the host of Well Adjusting, an amazing podcast where people tell incredibly personal stories about their mental health, their finances, and their lives. And she's also the host of Dear Headspace. And today we're going to get in her headspace. We're going to see how well adjusted (laughs) she is. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Robin, we like to not stand on any kind of (laughs) laurels here and jump right in. Tell us about an ex who ruined a song for you. Okay, well, so just how I do everything, I was already coming back to Courtney being like, can I give you two songs? Like, fuck your format. I got to give you two songs. So I had this ex and I won't 100% say they're ruined, but they're ruined in the sense that it just takes me right back to that late 20s time period, which is not wonderful. But the first song is Brick by Ben Folds 5. She's a brick and I'm drowning slow. And I do want to say, wait, is this like an abortion story? Because I'm here for it. No, it's much more literal. And then the other one, the other song that's intricately connected is Thin Line, Annie Lennox. So these are really diametrically opposed songs. These are like in terms of the people singing them, in terms of the song. Please tell the story. So I... I mean, I don't want to say I had a bad picker, but I was definitely drawn to wildly unavailable people, women, men, some straight girls, like the whole, like if you could just show up, show me just a little bit of interest and then not be healthy in any way, I was like, well, you're cute. And so this was one of those relationships. Now, she is still a friend of mine today. She was at my wedding. So we're still close. Just talked to her recently. But it was a shit show of a relationship. And the Brick song is just as literal as it can get. Like, it was like, we are both unhappy. Nobody's acknowledging that. And when I would hear it, I would just be sitting in the car just being like, she's a brick and a drop. Like, it was like so bad. And yet I refused to leave. Wait, would she ask you, why are you humming that song? <laughs> I was like, no, I was like, I said, this reminds us of us. And she was like, I don't think that's a good thing. And I was like, it's not. It's not. Everybody was like, what are you doing? Did you guys ever read The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah. 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 So there's this, I think it's in Hitchhikers where this guy starts just whistling one note over and over again. And they're like, why are you doing that? He's like, oh, I'm just singing the mad part about mad about the girl because this guy's mad. (laughs) I was just thinking about that. I mean, Robin, this is the most indirect way to not have a conversation about a relationship ending. Just sing a song about it instead. (laughs) I know. And the fact that I was so connected to it and then yet I was still like, I should probably stay in this relationship relationship for another six to eight months. Oh man. (laughs) I remember my sister coming to visit and 
we had just had this huge fight and my sister was just like, man, you guys like fight a lot. And I was just like, yeah. And all my friends knew it was bad. But I just, at that time, I really had this knack for, I would choose the unavailable person. And I didn't figure this out until I hit my 30s. And then when I would finally break them and I'd get in there and I'd be like, oh, you're showing up for me now. And then I'd be like, well, it's too late now. I mean, I was, I was just, I was very open. I was ready. And now the damage is done. Well, before I would break up with them, I would start packing my sweatshirts two to three weeks in advance so that I would get them all back. It's very healthy stuff. How many sweatshirts are we talking about here? Again, referring back to the lesbian thing, probably lots. But any favorite <laughs> t-shirts, any, you know, which I'm st- I'm wearing for you, Courtney, a branded MTV2 Aww. shirt right now. I remember those double-headed dog air days of MTV2, the late 2000s. So this is the kind of gal I am. I needed my t-shirts back. I needed my shit back. Well, how much did you know about that song? Like, how much did you know about what the real meaning of the song was? Like, Melissa asked if it's... I knew nothing. I didn't know that that was even about that. So now you're going to have to tell me. The chorus of it definitely sounds like it applied to your relationship. But the whole story of the song is it's him taking his girlfriend to the abortion clinic. (gasps) Oh my God, I have like goosebumps. I had no idea. But I sort of love that because I feel like People constantly, or at least I do, I constantly misinterpret songs. Oh, yeah. I constantly think songs apply to me that have, like, I just think that some great lyric. I'm like, oh, my God, that lyric is so right. Then you read the lyrics, you're like, oh, (laughs) that is not what that said whatsoever. Much more specific than I thought it was. (laughs) Somebody was saying this morning at at my recording for Well Adjusting, they were talking about how, like, dirty Christina Aguilera, I'm a genie in a bottle is. And I was like how did I never put that? They were like, Robin, come, come, come and let me out. I was like, literally, I was just like, this is, this song's catchy. Wait, I actually did not know this at all either. My brother had a genie in a bottle keychain and would play it all the time. Like it would play it whenever. No clue. It's rubbing and. (laughs) Okay, no. For the people listening at home, Robin referenced this already, but she and I worked together at MTV. We worked in the music programming department, (laughs) literally watching TRL every fucking day. And you had no idea that song was about masturbation or sex. None. It took me a long time to accept that Hit Me Baby One More Time was a sexual song. Like, I really didn't want it to be. I think that wasn't so much that I didn't acknowledge it as much as I rejected the premise because it was too uncomfortable. (laughs) It's so uncomfortable. And it's so, like, male gazy that, like, we were not the intended audience for any of that in any way. So, yeah, it was meant to make us uncomfortable because you were just like, blech. I don't like any of this. I'm only mad at her mom right now whenever I think of that. Like, would I would never let my daughters pretty close to that age right now in that outfit, the sexualizedness. Her mom wasn't even there on the set when they did that. She was off being Lynn somewhere, anyway. No wonder it turned out the way it did. Mm-mm, indeed. Indeed. I mean, we can't just blame the mother. Come on, people. Well, we blame the father most of all, but... Mostly blame the father. You know, he's just shitbird too. So I'm just adding, you know... He's definitely a shitbird. 
I do just want to say for the folks that are listening, I'm not necessarily this dumb. Like when you listen to Well Adjusting, I am actually very in tune and I do have some things to say that are smart, but right now I'm not coming off so smart. You're not the host here. Like you have a responsibility, I think, when you're the host of the podcast to be the voice of reason and to guide your guests through and help them have realizations, especially on a podcast like Well Adjusting. Today, the shoe's on the other foot. Yeah, no, I just get to say crazy shit. And then it's like, and we get to walk down memory lane. It's like amazing. And we're here for it. And then people are going to go from this and listen to your podcast and be like, they're going to be like, oh my God. (laughs) Wow. This woman. She's got several personalities. I'm still just going to be sitting here thinking how you didn't know that Brick was an abortion song. I know. No idea. And someone from our department was friends with Ben Folds. And so, I mean, really, and she sat right behind me. I mean, there's a lot of things I should have been picking up on. I was very busy. I was I was very busy at the open bars from the record labels. <laughs> there were a lot of them, quite frankly. Those were good times. Those were good times. Have you heard the song again recently? Like, when's the last time you heard the song that you were like, Oh, yeah. I made some bad choices in my 20s. I mean, every time I hear it, I think of my ex and I kind of laugh. I mean, in a way, this is why I said it's it's I'm breaking your format. It takes me back to that time. But it's also a really amazing moment for me to look at myself and be like, I'm not that person anymore. Like I, I've come through that. I, and my friends and I all laugh now how they were all like, you know, this is not good. Right. And I was like, hey, guys, like, I know. I know it's not, I said, but you're just going to have to like stay there with me while I beat my head against this wall because this is, I'm not ready. And that's all I was up to. And like, so I'm one of those people that like, you know, in all seriousness, like I'll never, even like my really shitty childhood, I wouldn't change anything because every single step took me to where I am. You know, I mean, maybe I would make some of it a little better. (laughs) We got to keep some of the trauma because like now I'm great with money. Now I'm great with like, there's nothing I can't do on my own. You know, like, like all that came out of trauma. So like, I am always a person that will look at whatever the past was bad or good and be like, all right, well, it's where I am today. What can I do differently? What did I learn? And how many more years do I need to be in therapy before I embrace that worldview? Well, you just need to come on well adjusting, which we're, which we're in the talks about. (laughs) Okay. All right. Yeah, no, as if I could fix you, like probably lots. I mean, by the way, I will say that's my that's my other big thing as I've like into the age that I'm in now, which is that we're never fixed. I, I just believe we are absolutely never fixed. Like the same triggers that that were given to you as a child in whatever way they were given to you will always be there. But what you can do is recognize it, notice it, reset, make a different choice. I think for Melissa and I, a part of the reason that this podcast idea is appealing is because it helps us to recontextualize the experiences and relationships from the past and also listen to other people tell us theirs that are sometimes worse and sometimes lesser, but always like funny and always human. And it gets like, we ask some of the same questions over and over, especially like the one that Melissa just asked you about, does it take you back there? When's the last time you heard it? How do you feel when you hear it? Because it gives you a chance to examine how am I contextualizing this song and what's the impact it has on me and where am I at with this relationship now? And that's like the the stuff that's really interesting. Well, that's why when you announced the podcast before you had even launched it, I was like, A, that's a great idea and I fucking love it. I was like, B, get John Cusack on your podcast immediately just because oh that's exactly what he did was reframe, recontextualize in that movie. High fidelity. Yeah. He just went back and, and, and like realizing, oh my God, she didn't break my heart. I was a dick. Okay. But then, so do we want John Cusack or do you want Nick Hornby? We want Nick Hornby. I mean, why can't we have both? Stay tuned. We're just taking a quick break and we'll be right back. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. 
If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. And we're back. You're listening to Songs My Ex Ruined. Tell us the Annie Lennox song that reminds you of your ex and what is the story there? Okay, so it's Thin Line. Y'all are familiar with the song? Yes. It's building. It's it's four o'clock in the morning. He's not home. And then it just keeps building. By the third, I don't know what those things are called. Not the chorus, but the third verse. Thank you. Thank you. I used to have words. I no longer do. (laughs) By the third verse, she's murdering him. But what I I love about that song is it like it fucking builds. It's like, I think such a powerful song. And by the end, you're like, oh shit, she's, she's kidding. And so, and so my ex, um, (laughs) she would come home from wherever, like, I think she was in law school at the time or, you know, or she'd be out or whatever. She'd get into the apartment and it would, if it was blasting, she just knew she was in like a shit ton of trouble. And she would be like, she'd come in, she'd be like, oh. Oh, shit. She was very flirtatious. She was always like, I, I, like we would have conversations like, stop me if I'm wrong here. Another person told you that they loved you. And now it's a man from law school. And I was like, I just want to say something. We've been in this relationship for however long we've been in. No one has told me they love me. Oh, no. No one has inappropriately. <laughs> and I'm not saying you're not very pretty because you are. However, what are you doing for these people to show up in this way. What is your behavior? So it was just like we were always in some place where I was hearing something or something was happening and that it would just, I have such a strong or had, I I think I'm much, much, I'm I'm with a, a partner that's right for me now. Like my wife is fantastic. And, you know, we always joke about how I had done just enough work so she could show up. And she was just naive enough that she didn't, like when I would just stop talking, she'd be like, she doesn't feel like talking right now. Cause she just didn't, she didn't know how broken I was. And then I just kept coming back. And then eventually I did more work and things were good. Then we had children. We wrecked it all. But anyway, I'm just <laughs> kidding. They're lovely, mostly. But so at that time, it was like these, just these, I was, I think I was very like almost, I don't want to use the word addicted, but there was something in that push pull that was very familiar from my childhood that just like, you give me a little, I come in and then you do something bad. And then it's, it was just like what I was familiar with and what I knew and what I had seen. And it, it didn't matter that, that she was doing bad things. Like I just was, I would still be like, oh, and then I would stay. Now all my eyes and all my vision and my look back at things, it's all like through the lens of, I have a daughter and I just hope that I can teach her in a way that she will love and respect herself more than I did at that time so that she will leave earlier than I did. Because it's like, I feel like generational trauma, all you can do is just do a little better than what was done for you. I think that's absolutely true. And it sounds like this song reflected your like inner turmoil, your sort of inner barometer, like a weather system almost. Yeah. Even the way the song, like if you listen to the song, it's just, it's so powerful and and there's so much anger in it and there's so much angst. It's a raw song. Like, whereas Brick is just this depressing and that was part of it, but this was the other part of my relationship, which was this, like just this fire and fire. Like we were both yeah. very like strong-willed, fiery type people. And I mean, obviously I haven't stopped talking since we hit record. Like I, 
I can't be with somebody like me. Like Mary is much more even keeled and much more like she's makes me kinder and she is a kind person. If I start yelling, she just looks like a deer in headlights. And that because no one yelled at her ever. Whereas my family was just like chaos and yelling and being with another person just like me, that's horrible. But when I see Mary's eyes, I see the pain I'm causing and it forces me to be like, Robin, get your shit together. Well, there's also like a big growth for you, a big sense of empathy. And it sounds like the relationship that you're talking about, I mean, you're describing unhappiness, but you're also describing insecurity. Oh my God. And moving away from that changes how you relate to your partner. Yeah. I mean, everything at that time, I think, was it a worth issue for me? Because I, I think sometimes I wouldn't leave because I thought, well, I don't know who's going to love me. I don't know who's going to be with me and who's going to show up. And it did make it even harder. We're talking about being a lesbian in the 90s. There was no apps. You had to go to the bar and then you had to walk up to somebody and there was like the same 45 people. And there was all these, um, not stereotypes, but like positions in the community. There was like butch and femme. And there was like, now they're just like, I mean, like my daughter will come home and just like, oh, yeah, I'm bi, I'm they. I'm, and I'm just like, what the fuck are you doing? Pick a point and be that. And they're just not, that's just not who they are. Like the young kids, it's everything we fought for, but I didn't have that. So I was like busy at work, like dropping hints, like, do you play softball? You know, like trying to see <laughs> if somebody was gay. You know, it's like, just wasn't. So there was a lot of reasons, even outside of my own insecurities. Yeah, for sure. But I'm going to tell you right now, like I knew uh, late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, Robin, and she was a stone cold fox with a lot of like sassiness and funness in her, just like you are today, the exact same. Well, I am an actor. You are an actor. It's true. (laughs) You can inhabit whatever position you want. (laughs) Your 20s, I just think it's such an interesting, like confusing time. Like you're trying to figure out who you are and you're trying to find your purpose and your worth and and all of those things. And you're one step out of college, but still like partying like a fool, or at least I was wild, wild woman. And it's, that's a lot. It's a, that's like a soup. It's just a lot of things are happening there. Yeah. And I feel like when you're in your twenties, you're just trying on so many personalities. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're in a bad relationship, but then you're sitting there being like, am I the sort of person who just stays in bad relationships? And then you think about that. And then like a month goes by and you're like, oh, maybe I am. And then like something else happens. You're like, oh, maybe I'm not the sort of person who stays in bad relationships. I was always the queen of like dumping people out of the blue, but it wasn't really out of the blue. It was more just like, I was having this whole thought process, just being like, I don't think I like this. No, definitely don't like this. No, definitely. But it would just take me like a month to process. So you weren't a communicator. You just were, all that was happening in your head and probably not for the other person. Exactly. And so I was just like- So for them, they were like, what the fuck? Yeah. And I'd just be like, yeah, do you remember six months ago when you did this thing? Didn't like it. We're over. (laughs) (laughs) I've been thinking about it since then. So. Yeah. I've just decided no. Yeah. And like, you know, in retrospect, if I could like go back and just be like, oh, you know, I probably should have dumped that guy faster. So it could have correlated and grown and learned. Like I really did no favors for any woman who came after me. Yeah. Because they learned nothing. Because I would just, it'd be like. You're like the person who had a bad boss and quit and didn't do the exit interview. Everything was fine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Sometimes I feel like that about when I go to restaurants. And if I don't put something on Yelp where I'm like, there was a bandit in my food and they accused me of putting it there. Am I doing the world a disservice by not mentioning that on Yelp? I'm like, I don't even have a Yelp account. 
I could start one. I feel like coming out of this podcast, you are going to start one. That's our that's our growth. So many opportunities to help improve the world, or at least alert people in your community about potential problems that I, as a very lazy person, don't do. And I feel bad about that. Well, don't don't label it lazy. Don't label it lazy. Maybe you just aren't non-confrontational. You are non-confrontational. That's true. I am non-confrontational, but I also am kind of lazy. So I hearing you tell these stories, like <laughs> you knew there were all these problems. There are all these issues. You're singing brick in the car as you guys are going. How are you still friends with this person? Is this just like ultimate lesbian flex? Because I kind of feel like it is. <laughs> and how long were you no contact after the relationship ended, assuming you were? I feel like almost none. Like, I think we were friends pretty much right away. I was at her wedding. She was at my wedding. How? I don't know. I think, I do think that at the time when I was breaking up with people, I thought I never wanted anyone to hate me. And I still have a bit of that. I feel like the answer has to be that the breakup is more communicative than men ending relationships are because, wow. Yes, there's definitely more talk, I think, as a general rule. I will say every one of my exes except my very first girlfriend was at my wedding. What? Wow. Because it was a party. It was like, a, we did like a, you know, we did like, like a- Like everyone in your contact list? Like just pretty much. <laughs> and we were like, I was like, I'm getting married in the Caribbean. You want to come? It was like, well, it's a vacation. You just have to show up for the wedding. It was like 75 people came. It was crazy. But I will say we had an explosive breakup and it is probably the best breakup because on her way out the door, I had a cat named Sam who was the greatest cat in the world. And on her way out the door, the movers are there. Like all this is happening in front of the movers. She is about to slam the door. And then she says, just so you know, because she always told me she hated the cat. Just so you know, when you weren't home, I held this cat and I loved this cat. Aww. And then and then a couple wow. hours later, her dad, amazing guy, Nino, like Italian from Queens, shows up with a tray of lasagna, making a plea for his daughter. He said, listen, and he didn't know what happened. He just knew we broke up. And he goes, listen. I know she did something wrong. I know. He goes, but whatever she did, she could fix it. I think oh. you should go. And I was just like, oh, oh Nino. I was like, no. I was like, well, thanks for the, the ziti, but I gotta, I am going to go. <laughs> That's like, one lasagna. Wow. It's like, <laughs> can this lasagna possibly make up for a world of trouble? I know. It was just like that he came over with a, a tray. It was like amazing. But I honestly, I just think that, I don't know. I think that in, a, in like a lesbian relationship, the roles are... They're collapsed. There's a friendship thing that's happening. There's a, a romantic relationship that's happening. And they're all happening at the same time. And I don't define myself by being gay. That's just one aspect of who I am. I would equally say I'm a performer. I would equally say I'm a wife and a mom. It's just one part of who I am. I've never been one who leads with that. But I have always said that I think women are like cats and men are like dogs. And I'm a cat person. I just, I like cats and I understand them and I get them. And in a way that I don't understand men, like I have some great men friends, but I just, in terms of dating, I can't even understand how the intimacy could take place for me in a, like a heart level and a communication level, because I don't get dudes. Like I would just be like, I don't, uh, what are we doing here? So I just think that when, and again, like I'm making generalizations, but I'm speaking for me. Cause I do know that sometimes people get a little sensitive about that. So I just want to say that I'm not generalizing about all men. I'm just saying that that's my take. I have met some men that I connected with, but never on the level that I would with a woman. And I think I never wanted to, there was the aspect of not wanting them to hate me. But then I think I just, there was something about you I loved. And 
you know, and today we just talked recently, we just caught up for a couple of hours and we had a connection and we had a thing and we have shared history. And I guess I've just never been one to throw it away. I wonder, I don't even know if that's a, like a gender specific or a sexual identity specific thing. I think that's a person thing. Like I find it so hard to stay friends with exes because I find it hard to let go of the level of intimacy, not even physically also, but just like someone knew every single thing about me and it's hard to not go back to that place with them. Well, it does remain on some levels. It does. I do think that when her and I talk, I talk differently than, you know, because she knows me in a way that, you know, a few people know me. So it's like, I do think that's still there, but there's a boundary and a, and it's not a boundary like, oh, I can't cross it. There's just a, a something that shifts in the relationship where there's like a piece of the thing that's still there, but then you're two different people in two different places now. You can see how like the J-Lo and the Ben, how they got back together because there's something doesn't go away. And I do think it helps that I I left these women. They didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, that always makes a difference. If you're not trying to get unrejected, that changes the dynamic. I did have a straight girl thing and she rejected me like just for, for like solid 18 months. And we still talk. Well, I'm also a person that um, when I talk about songs that an ex ruined, when I listen to those songs, I go back to that relationship. I go back to that place. Like it transports me instantly. Yeah. So I think some people maybe experience things in this visceral way. Yeah. And that's kind of what we've learned talking to people so far. Some people, that's their experience with it. And some people, it's just like a thing that maybe comes to mind when they hear the song. It's just like, oh, like I used to live here kind of thing. Yeah. Totally. That's interesting. You said that with uh, the Annie Lennox song, this woman would know when, if it was playing when she got home, that there was trouble afoot. I told this story once before, but I used to live above these women who would play Dido's white flag over and over and over and over again (laughs) whenever they were fighting. So was it sort of that situation? Because the song isn't that long. Like the Annie Lennox song isn't that long. So like, would you just time it for her entry? Oh, no, it would be on repeat. It would be on repeat. I mean, I, I will say that I did just really love the song, but it the angst and the feeling, like I, I don't think I made the connection that I was playing it because I was really mad. It was like, yeah, no, I'm in the mood for that right now. And then like, and then repeat. Wow. And was this like a CD repeat situation? It, it was a CD repeat. It might've been a five disc changer even. Wow. Okay. And I just had to think, I was like, could you do repeat on that? Or did I just walk over and just play it again, Sam? I'm not sure. No, you could repeat on those for sure. Did you ever hit a record of number of times of repeating that song? <laughs> do you have like a number? You're just like 17 times in a row. My neighbors loved me. They just, I know it was a lot. I know it was a lot and I know it was loud. And, I, and whoever was living above you is probably going to come on this podcast at some point being like, oh my God, I used to live above this woman and she played Annie Lennox 17 times in a row. And they ruined this song for me. Well, I am a repeater as a general rule. Like I just refound or found for the first time an old Lady Gaga song. And I was picking my daughter up from like, summer camp last summer and I she fell asleep in the car it was like a two and a half hour drive and I played that fucking song um from it was you and I Lady Gaga and I played it from the camp to pulling into our parking garage in Brooklyn two and a half hours and 
And I am telling you, I belted out every word for two and a half hours. I was almost hoarse and I'm not a singer. And your daughter was just asleep that whole time? Was she having the weirdest dreams? Well, she was she was awake for the beginning, singing with me, passed out, woke up. I mean, I think it's just par for the course in our house. She was like, yeah, this, this tracks. Like That would be actual torture for me. I would be like, I'm going to need you to let me out of the car now. I would just slow roll out the door, just yeah. fully just open the door and just go. Hey, at least it wasn't a Broadway musical, though. So, well, I know. I think I have ruined her, though, because she does it, too. We There's this song from a Broadway musical from Griffin Matthews. It's one of those songs that just builds and it's just it's beautiful. And her and I will in the car, we'll play it and we'll just go, are we doing it again? And so she and we'll <laughs> and we'll both just sit there and play it over and over and over again. So she's she's got a little of the nature nurture. Who can say it's conditioning one day she'll move away. I broke her. <laughs> on so many levels. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up on this one. Robin, thank you so much for, first of all, your advice on how we could all be slightly more forgiving in our relationships and find our inner lesbian. <laughs> if that's not too offensive to say, but sometimes I went to. Not a bit. Not to me. Not okay, to me. Good. And also, thank you for breaking the format because it's the more songs, the merrier, quite frankly, around here. Yes. It was so great to hear what happens inside your brain. <laughs> I don't know that it was. I'm telling you, everyone has to come over to Well Adjusting because I sound way more sane over there. And they're good conversations. Season two is coming out in March and it's just going to be spectacular. We have some really wonderful, wonderful stories. We talked to someone who's processing a suicide Um who uh, like on a 10 year anniversary, still dealing with the question of why we talk about someone who wants to let people in in relationships, but has walls. We, I mean, just, we had a conversation today about generational trauma around finances. Like the conversations are just, I'm so proud of that podcast. And it's just, um, I, I'm just I, like, I love it so much. And so Come listen. Come take a listen. I'm more sane over there, I promise. I'm an avid listener of Well Adjusting, and I can tell you, you should be listening to it. Robin does, in fact, guide a lot of people through a lot of terrible situations and really difficult conversations. It's worth checking out. Oh, thank you. And thank you both for having me. This was a, an absolute blast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Songs by Ex Ruined. If you're enjoying the podcast, give us a reviewer rating on your favorite app and it will really help. And hey, subscribe to get new episodes as soon as they drop. Songs My Ex Ruined is a production of Nevermind Media. Executive producers are Melissa Locker and Courtney E. Smith. Produced and edited by Itzy Kitania. Sound design and theme song by Madeline McCormick. Artwork by Sophie Locker. Additional production support from Casey, Steve, Archer, Bimo, Newton, Oliver, and all the other good dogs and cats out there. 